Namaste, beautiful mama, and welcome to the Hope for Moms in Unhappy Marriages podcast. You're with Sergey Budgen, a mama who suffered in her marriage, thinking that, you know, things are going to get better, and just waiting and praying and hoping and pushing all of my feelings and even my well-being under the carpet um, for what I thought was the betterment for my son and um, for our family. So I welcome you here with the intention to love you, nurture you, and just uh, share with you that, or let you know that you are not alone, that you have someone to come to that understands you and is here for you. I love you so much. Um, And thank you. Thank you so much for being here. You are so loved and you are so appreciated. In this episode, I'm going to retell my story, which um, part two of my story, which I just posted only because I found I I'm, my voice was super soft and it was crackly and echoey and I couldn't figure it out for the life of me why, but I just continued recording and I decided to post it anyways. So I'm just going to leave it up there, but I figured out um, what the problem was. So I decided to re-record it and you are free to go ahead and listen to number 13. I'm sure I said stuff um, in that episode that I am not going to say here. And then I'm going to say some stuff here that I didn't say in number 13. So without further ado, this is my part two of uh, how I found my true self to my spiritual awakening. Actually, my spiritual self-love awakening. If you want to listen to part one, that is in episode number seven, okay? And I really highly recommend it because then you'd understand so much more of, um, more in depth of who I was. I've realized that there are three major stages to my awakening, awakening to the true me. Um, and I'll give you a brief of stage one. So in stage one, I call this my sleeping stage. And that means that I had no true connection with what, with what, not who, but what I am. Right? Like all of us, we are born into this world and according to our environment, um, our upbringing, our culture, the beliefs of our parents and our grandparents or people who are close to us, our teachers and family members and friends and so forth, we develop at a unconscious level who we are and what we are meant to be in this world and this shapes us and guides our life our our whole entire life it's the unconscious stage and we just live life thinking that this is who we are and this is why I call it the sleeping stage Right, I was being controlled by my limiting beliefs, by my past conditioning, even by the energetic energies that 
were passed down to generations and generations believing that this was who I was. And this happens to all of us. And unfortunately, some of us, or fortunately, I don't know, who am I to say, but we go through our lives in the sleeping stage and where we die like this, you know. And this is why when I say that everything is really truly happening for a reason, it's for you to awaken at a conscious level. And when I say a conscious level, I mean awaken, awaken to what you truly are, to the true you, right? And to access that awakening, we, I needed to, in my journey, I needed to suffer and suffer until I turned around and I said, wait a minute, this is not me. This is not who I am. This is not what my life is supposed to be like. And then went within and loved myself and things started to change. But I'm going way ahead of me. So I'm going to back it up. Okay, so stage number one, right? My sleeping stage. I lived a very superficial life. And without going into too much depth, I felt extremely worthless. I felt like a piece of meat. I believed that I needed to use my beauty um, to, to get what I want. And not to say that I had sex with men to get what I want. No. What I mean is that I showed my beauty off to get the attention from others that validated my existence. And I was so identified with my beauty because growing up, I was told that I was beautiful. I was told to use my beauty to my advantage. I was told to marry for money. So I believed money was like the path to happiness. And the only way to get that money because I wasn't smart enough. That was another belief that I had because I wasn't smart enough. I needed a man for that, right? I I needed someone to save me. I was a very, very heavy drinker. And I, I drank away any meaning to life. Right? I drank away the deeper questions. If any questions surfaced, or if anyone asked me, well, what are you going to do with your life? Or... Um, what is your next step? And because I felt so worthless and I felt like I didn't have an education, I didn't have anything, those questions, seriously, like they hurt me. And because they hurt me, I just drank them away. And I, I, the only way I knew how to bring happiness to myself was through alcohol because I love to dance and Drinking was a way to go out and drink and dance and party and then fly around the world because I was a flight attendant and then drink some more and then party and act stupid, 
right? Because that's what I thought I was. That's what I thought life was. And that's who I thought I was meant to be. I remember when I'm at, at a point when I drank so much, I remember I used to cry a lot, right? You know, there's the emotional drinker. And I used to cry and I used to cry and I used to say, I want to go home, I want to go home. And I never knew what that meant, you know? And I can tell you now I'm sitting here and I'm home. And I'm not home as in I'm in Canada with my family. No, I'm, I've returned home within myself. You know, it's such a beautiful um, feeling. When it came to happiness and stage one, I didn't know what true happiness was. Again, I thought that happiness, I found that happiness in alcohol, right? And I searched outside of myself for it which was other people's uh, opinion of me, right? Other people, I was dependent on other people making me feel happy and other things making me feel happy, you know? I had no purpose, no direction, and I, was, I felt like I was running away, running away from who I thought I was, and who I thought I was wasn't very pretty, right? It was this girl who was just a piece of meat, who loved to drink, um, and love to party. As much as I thought that I was confident, I hadn't. I was not confident. I had no self worth. Right. I gave my power to everybody else. So depending on how everybody else treated me is how it made me feel. So if I made them feel good, maybe they would make me feel good also. You know. And I felt like I didn't respect my body, my mind. I didn't respect myself to the point where I didn't even, I didn't like myself. I didn't like my name, you know, um, Serge Day. I got made fun of when I was younger. I got to the point where I started to tell people in my teens to call me Michelle. And another thing that truly made me happy was looking pretty and it's funny because I would look in the mirror and I'd be like oh my god you know I'd feel so good inside not because other people are going to look at me and tell me I'm pretty no because I felt pretty right that was one thing that really made me feel good one thing that really made me feel good it was just I associated beauty and I identified beauty as society identifies beauty right in society if you're beautiful then you're meant to be a model or an actor um, or a trophy wife or you should marry for money, or you're stupid, like I said before, and I identified with that. But I loved the feeling of looking at myself and being like, wow, like you are beautiful, right? And I say that to you because it has so much to do. Beauty is such a high vibrational energy. And 
society and I feel like just people in general have twisted the beauty of feeling beautiful and looking beautiful, right? And I I know because I lived for 29 years in that mold of what I thought a beautiful girl should be. And it sucks because it's such a, such a a healing entity you know so to just to recap I was in stage one looking for something to save me looking for something to answer my questions and give me purpose and help me move forward in life and I thought that that was going to come in a man right? I thought that that was going to manifest into a man. I say manifest, but back then I didn't had no idea. I had no idea what about manifestation and about energies and about law of attraction and vibrations and oh my God, all of those beautiful things. So now I'm going to tell you about stage two. Stage two in my life is what I call a step forward, preparing me, preparing me to finding my true self. So without going into too many details, I'm just going to tell you very quickly where I was at that time when I found all of my answers and I found my savior. Okay. I was at the lowest of lows. I didn't have a job. I was in Dubai. I was dating my boyfriend who became my husband um, soon after. And Life literally stripped me from everything that I thought was important, okay? I no longer had money. I no longer had a car. I didn't have an apartment. I didn't have that luxurious life that I was living before, the ability to just go out and buy whatever I want, eat whatever I want, travel to different countries, go on vacations, you know? drinking away my fears of facing myself. And at that time, I was living with my boyfriend at his friend's house and his friend's wife. They took us in because we had nowhere to go and we couldn't afford to to stay anywhere else. Um, my husband or boyfriend at the time, he didn't have work as well. So we were struggling. We were struggling and our relationship were on the rocks. Our relationship was always on the rocks. <laughs> Even like from the first time we met, it's pretty funny. It was very, very intense. Um, we've been dating for, I think it was like around a year at this time. But we held on to each other. 
You know, we, we were meant to go through this journey together. And what happened was I was still drinking at that time. And I remember very clearly one night we went out. Um, I wasn't drinking as much, but I was still drinking. And I drank to a point of um, blacking out. And the next day I was told that I said things and I acted in a way that was inappropriate. And I felt like, oh my God, horrible. Not only horrible because I hurt people close to me, but horrible as in I felt like I was, I, I, I literally like was allergic to alcohol. My body couldn't take it anymore. And I was so low, you know, I was pretending to be okay, but I was so, I was suffering inside. And I was, I, w- I didn't even, like I said, I didn't face my truth. I drank them away. So one day I walked into her, um, her not her room, but one of the rooms in the house, and they had a bookshelf. And I chose a book, and it was the Quran in English. And I picked this book up, and you know, it was like, Am I really going to read the Quran? You know, living in Dubai for many, many years now, I, at that time, I developed a certain level of respect for the religion. I loved the Adan, which was the call to the prayer. It really made me feel so good inside every time they, um, they announced it. They, it came on. Each corner had a mosque and you heard it no matter where you were. And it was beautiful. I loved it. I remember the first day I went to Dubai and I heard it. Um, I, I loved it. I started to compare to the first day and the first few years I was in Dubai. I didn't understand why the girls covered and... And why they had to sit behind the men in prayer. And I I was so shallow and I was so arrogant. I used to make fun of these girls, truth be told, you know. And I'm I'm so sorry for that part of my um my life. But I guess when we're scared of something or when we don't know something or we don't understand it then that was my way of um of dealing dealing with with uh with how i felt about my misunderstanding of the religion anyways so here i was a party girl and i pick up this book and i'm like am i really gonna read this book but i did i i don't know something said yes you're gonna read this book and i'm gonna tell you what i found in islam and what I found in that book. Islam, within a month, became my savior. Islam saved me. It saved me because I stopped drinking. I stopped killing my body. I stopped smoking because I used to smoke cigarettes um, when I drank as well. And that way, it saved me. It saved my health. Because I was pretty sure I was going to get alcohol poisoning 
or end up in a ditch or something. But it not only saved me in that manner, it not only changed my lifestyle from drinking, partying, not being able to face my truth, because when I stopped drinking and consumed Islam because I was so into it. I read the book, I listened to the um, to the recordings, to the teachings and everything, even before I converted. I listened to the Quran at night when I was sleeping to the point where um, my boyfriend, which became my husband at, um, soon after, like he was annoyed at me. You know, he's like, turn that stuff off. <laughs> he was also Muslim, by the way. It's, I think he just, I think I was just too much for him. But it didn't only save me in that way. It gave me a second chance. Because in Islam, it's believed that when you convert, all of your sins are wiped away. And when I say sins, and what I considered a lot of my sins was drinking and having sex out of marriage, right? Those were huge, huge sins. They're haram, right? So the lifestyle that I was living in stage one was converted into rewards, right? And these rewards is going to be... I was sitting on like a mountain of rewards according to how much I was drinking and the life that lifestyle that I was living before. Right? So it gave me a second chance. It gave me a chance to be loved unconditionally by the higher power. It introduced me to the higher power. I always knew that there was a higher power, but coming from a background of Hinduism, I didn't understand all of the deities, all of the gods. So I lived my life just being a spiritual person. I just considered myself a good person. I had the good core beliefs. Don't steal. Don't hurt other people. Don't kill. You know, be good to your family. Be nice. Be kind. I had those core beliefs and I, I was a good person. So I didn't believe that I needed Islam or any religion. For a matter of fact, I just believed religion was there to control, to control us and instill fear in us. Um, so it gave me, it gave, it connected me again with that higher power, right? But I placed that higher power outside of me. That was Allah. He was an entity and he was the almighty right but he was outside of me so going from giving everyone else my power in stage one i gave allah my power in stage two but he gave me purpose he, my purpose in this life was to serve him to be loyal to him, to be a good Muslima, right? To follow his his rules and the teachings of the Prophet, may peace and blessings be upon him, Prophet Muhammad. Right? That was my purpose. Now I had purpose. 
and it felt so good. Oh my God, I converted because yes, I did. I converted with every single cell of my body with my heart open. It gave me all the answers that I was looking for. Right? Allah protected me. He forgave me. He didn't judge me. And you know, one of the biggest things that I believe Islam was meant to teach me was my worth. I started to wear the hijab and I started to cover my body, right? So I was wearing the albaya as well. I covered my hair, I covered my, my body, and I walked with my head down. Um, simply we walk with our, we're taught to walk with our heads down because we don't want to make eye contact with the opposite sex and uh, spark a thought that may be um, in nature a sexual thought, right? By putting on the hijab, Islam teaches, teached me that women are very precious. They're very intelligent. They're very smart. They're not a piece of meat, and this is why we cover. Right? And I fell in love with that because from going to identifying with my body and with my beauty and living a life of using my body to feel happy and thinking that I was stupid because I was pretty, this was like, oh my God, this was, this felt so right at the time, right? So I covered my beauty and I did it at that time to protect myself from the outside world, right? Because and as when I converted to Islam, I was considered pure and clean. And by covering, it protects you and it gives you so much rewards because you're obeying Allah. And again, please, this is my perception of the teachings and my journey, right? But what I didn't realize, what I realize now, is by covering, that is exactly what I needed to find my worth. To realize that, listen, I don't need to show my body and my face and my beauty, sorry, to anybody else. That is for me for me only right and in islam it's meant for your husband as well only your husband can see you without hijab and without covering without clothes right because you're married now and your father can see you without hijab and your brother as well nobody else so look how beautiful life transitioned me into teaching me that lesson that I didn't even know at the time I was being taught. So I valued myself.
it's so beautiful. So after I converted to Islam, and after I started wearing the hijab, I told my boyfriend at the time, listen, it's either we get married or I'm sorry, but you're going to have to leave, right? Because I was so by the book and it just didn't feel right to be trying to, to follow this path and yet doing what was considered haram. The fear that Islam instilled inside me because I believed in heaven and hell now. So I believed that there was angels on my shoulders writing every single thing that I was doing and I didn't want to do anything that was wrong, that was considered haram. I wanted to stay on the right path. I prayed and I prayed and, you know, I prayed five times a day and I stopped wearing makeup. I stopped doing my eyebrows even. You know, I lost that part of my beauty. You know, it's like I went to my stage one was a total extreme. And then stage two became an extreme as well. You know, I went from beautifying myself for everybody in part one. And in part two, I went from just not beautifying myself at all. And when I did beautify myself or my husband, it was like it went on scene. So that hurt. And I just kind of caved in and I stopped doing it, right? You know, when we hurt and we hurt and we hurt and then we try and we try and we try to fix things and be the best wife that we can, um and still get shut down, shut down, shut down in our own perception and how we feel, then then we crumble, right? So yeah, I told him, you know, um, we weren't having sex or anything after I converted. It was just felt so wrong. And he slept on the couch for like three months. And after I put on the hijab, I told him it's either you leave or we get married. So he decided to marry me. Probably not the best way to ask a guy to to give a guy a, um, an ultimatum. But that it was my journey and that's how it happened. Right? Like I said, it was very hard to let go of each other. We were really holding on to each other even though we, we weren't fulfilling each other's um, needs. Right, And that's only part of the journey. That was his journey and that was my journey. So in Islam, it teaches us that when we get married to put our husbands first. Our husband come first. First it's Allah and then it's our husbands. And I did that. I put him first and I put myself last. So whatever he did and however he chose to act in the marriage and the feelings that he that I never felt in our marriage like I 
I never felt that I was truly loved. I never felt safe, secure. It was almost like I was married, but I wasn't. So I I didn't have that communication. I didn't have that that even the physical um hugs and you know that the beauty of a marriage I never had but I was patient with him you know another thing that Islam teaches us is never to talk about your marriage to anybody if you have problems you go to the sheikh or you go to the your elders and um, they would advise you and I did do that and the advice was be patient with him love him more you know and I did that I mean I was so in love with Islam and I was so willing to put myself last. I told him, you know what? I would accept a second wife if it was your, the mother of your children. And we tried, I tried to be a second wife and he tried to have two wives. The thing is that he told me they were divorced, but I found out that they never was divorced. And it was, we were already married at the time. You know, everything happens for a reason, you know. So I, I tried to be a second wife. I really tried and I suffered. But I loved her. I loved her. I don't know what it is, but... I, it's, it's almost like I understood her and I didn't want her to be alone with two children. And in Islam, being a family was, was a very honorable thing. And children, I believed from my upbringing that their children need their father no matter what, you know? And I was trying to make that happen. And I put myself last. But we couldn't do it. It just didn't. It wasn't meant to be. It never worked out. But that's how much I built my life on Islam. I just really, really wanted to do everything that I could have done to to show Allah that I love him and I'm a good servant. You know? After we had our son, our relationship was still on the rocks. And, you know, it was nothing like I expected it to be, to be giving, to having my husband's child. And the feelings that I was going through and that Like my heart, my heart was in so much pain. It was hurting. You know? And without going into any details of the marriage, it. 
I was dying. I was dying inside. And I thought, you know, maybe now that we had a son, he would change. But no. No. I thought that he would love me the way I wanted him to love me, but he didn't. So even though, even though I've found this new purpose in my life, I still felt so lost and so disconnected and so empty inside. Something was not right. I mean, was this my life? I just supposed to suffer and be patient and literally feel like I was disintegrating and pretending to be happy, pretending to be happy for the sake of my son so that I can keep the family in quotations together and to serve in this life so that I can go to Jannah, to heaven in the next in my next life because I believe that every suffering I was and every test because life was a test of our faith to God and my marriage I believed was a test. Another beautiful teaching is in Islam whether you're a man or a woman in a marriage is you're not supposed to oppress yourselves and there's certain things that a man and a woman are supposed to to do for each other and and make each other feel right and even though that wasn't happening in my marriage you know I wasn't strong enough to leave even though I had that higher power that I trusted with every single cell in my body I was still so fearful of what was on the other side of this marriage right I don't know if it was because I was scared of being alone I didn't have the strength the, the clarity the knowing within me because every time we had that fight and we stopped talking it always ended up going back the exact same way it was before right i hated the way i started to look because i my body my body started to show what I was feeling inside I I manifested the worst acne you could even imagine you know I started to look like I was lifeless I had no sparkle in my eye my heart was literally closed because I couldn't take the pain anymore I closed my heart off I neglected my own well-being. I neglected normal human needs of giving myself things that nourished my soul. 
like a conversation. I was just pretending to be happy through it all. I was suffering in silence. Right? But I knew, I knew something deep within me. I knew that I was going to be okay. I didn't know how. I didn't know how it was going to happen. But I used to hold my hand at night and I used to comfort myself. And I used to tell myself, it's okay. You're meant for more. It's okay. And I realize now that that wasn't Allah holding my hand and comforting me. That was me. That was my. That was me loving myself, making me feel good. Right. I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I hoped that things would get better. And when I prayed, it was beautiful because when we pray, we we are connected to the divine energy and we let go and we understand that okay everything happens for a reason because that was a big teaching in islam as well everything happens for a reason but not so that i can evolve and eventually go within myself and find the true me no i believed everything happened for a reason so that I can flourish in the next life, right? God would not give me a test that I could not handle. So I'm going to stay in this marriage and I'm going to handle it and handle it and shove everything under the carpet until I go to the next life. But I was... Oh my God, I tell you, I I just felt like I was going to explode. Islam gave me so much and taught me so much and it put me exactly where I needed to be to grow and to evolve. We are meant to suffer for an amount of period of time, not to suffer for our whole entire life for eternity. No, not to suffer in this world so we can reap our rewards in the next. But we suffer so that we can wake up and we can be like, wait a minute, this is not who I am. This is not, this is not, who I was destined to be and the life that I was destined to live. So you're telling me that I can't smile genuinely. I can't genuinely be happy. You know, if you looked at my eyes, you would have seen how much I was suffering. Because the eyes tell all. What they say? They say the eyes, uh, the eyes are the windows to the soul. And my soul was 
I was so far away from from myself. It's no wonder I felt so lost and disconnected. So this is my story of Islam. So in part one, I had no foundation. In part two, I built an extremely strong foundation on my very core beliefs I found within Islam. And when I'm telling you I built a foundation, it was about five years and more that I lived with this foundation. And in part three, I'm going to share with you how that foundation was ripped literally under my feet within, I want to say seconds, because that's how it happened. And because that foundation crumbled, I was able to find the true me. And I'm going to leave it right there. I'm not going to say anything else. And I love you so much, Mama. And I hope and my intent for sharing my story is so that you can see that Everything is happening in your life for a reason. And when you are ready, you will rise. And you are going to find such a bright light within you. You never even knew existed. I am so happy that you are here. I thank you so much again for being here, for listening to my story, and for being part of my journey. And I'm so blessed to be part of yours. I wish you, I'm sending you so much light and so much love. And I will always, always, always see the bright white light within you, the true you. And I will always shine my light upon you until you yourself can find your true you within. I love you, Mama.